listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Good afternoon or morning or evening or wherever you are listening to us, Unscripted, the film show. Uh, You might be listening on Radio Fremantle Live right now on 107.9 FM, top station on your dial. Thanks for listening. Or you may be tuning into the podcast uh, somewhere on a nice beach in Esperance. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're Rachel, who I think, we think she's going to Esperance. It was Esperance, I'm wasn't it? pretty sure it is. I'm yeah. 90% sure it's Esperance. Because um, uh, our friend Eugene was there last week and I'm pretty sure that uh, Rachel uh, mentioned they'd be there as well. So, ah, brilliant. Yeah, I think it was Esperance. Because there was that movie you guys saw earlier in the year that was the guy that was – was he a paraplegic? That's that, um, right. From, from sky to – no, from sea to sky. Hmm. And, and he was like uh, using drones for getting awesome uh, aerial cinematography done. So, yes. yeah, it's, uh, I think that's what uh, encouraged you to go and have a look. Excellent. Esperance is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely little place. I spent a lot of time there when I was growing up. So uh, lovely, lovely place. Just um, beautiful part of the world. We're very lucky here in WA to have such beautiful places to visit uh, for weekend getaways. Yeah, so and, 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 and they can go and uh, they can check out the actually completed uh, Stonehenge that they've got there. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. I love how we're talking about these places like we're giving them a plug, but it's not like anyone from, you know, other places can necessarily go visit. But, you know, maybe maybe people listening locally might have the urge to go down. Exactly. And, All these people see. have just gone. I, I've always wanted to go and see Stonehenge. Don't go and see the, the broken, busted up one in the UK where it's only <laughs> a part of Stonehenge because the rest of it's been fallen down and stolen. Uh, go and see like one that's fully complete. You know? I was actually quite excited speaking of architectural. Well, I'm Cecilia, by the way. We always <laughs> forget to introduce ourselves and you are, of course, Lewis. Way too excited. Um, so we just, yeah, we skip over the whole naming conventions. We, we did. Um, but I got a little bit excited because I was watching the... The, uh, the Dracula series on Netflix, which oh, yes, um, yeah. I, 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 you've seen mm-hmm. and I think you recommended. And I thought, oh, you know, it's time to watch it. I want something gothic. I want something dark. Uh, I love Mark Gatiss and, and Stephen Moffat. I love their work. So I was really keen to, to take a look at this. And um, I was really excited because they had that castle in Whitby uh, that they show on screen very briefly. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've been there. <laughs> so I was able to go, yes, I've been there. It did make me miss England, but uh, hey... Which, which Castle Whippy is that one? Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one that apparently Bram Stoker, it was inspiration for, mm. well, they say inspiration for some of the novel <laughs> uh, of Dracula. He spent some time there right, uh, right. writing. So uh, it's this kind of beaten old... Um, it's not very – it looks like it's about to fall apart, <laughs> but they briefly show it in, in Dracula, I think in the third episode. Uh, yeah, the third episode. Oh, very so, cool. Um, very briefly, but that's it. That's a, it's a very different Dracula story, that, that story that they do. It's, oh, uh, phenomenal yeah. though, isn't it? Mm, mm. I love the direction it takes. I love how it starts out. I, I guess the first episode's quite familiar to the novel. Yes. Um, you know, he, he, Jonathan Harker visits the, the castle and it kind of goes from there, but – yeah, episode three. Wow. Did not see that coming. <laughs> so very cool. Or I think it kind of leads in at episode two mm. to three. But it's kind of, yeah, it's good to, to, like everyone's seen Dracula before. We all know the story. So it was good to do something with a little bit of a different spin on it. And, and it was just so you were expecting it to just be the traditional kind of Dracula. And so when they did that, it, it certainly, uh, you know, made for something interesting and unique. It did. And Clay's Bangs, who plays uh, Dracula, he's, he's very, um, I like his Dracula. I like him. It's it's kind of reminiscent of the Bela Lugosi kind of era mm. of Dracula. Yeah, he's very kind of um, charismatic, but yeah. And I just found that episode where, I think it's the first episode where it, it's at the nunnery, isn't it? That's mm. kind of the end of the first episode. That was quite creepy when he goes from being the dog to uh, Dracula and that transformation. Um, yeah, mm. and that scene in the nunnery. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I uh, watched them all in one evening and they go for an hour and a half mm. each. So they're like full-length films. And when I finished, I was really sad because I wanted to, I wanted more. 
Um, and then I wanted to try and find something that was similar and, and, you know, the same kind of aesthetic to it, but I couldn't quite find anything. I tried to watch Sherlock, uh, the BBC Sherlock, yeah. uh, but it just wasn't, yeah, I just wanted some more Dracula, but <laughs> unfortunately uh, three episodes was all I got, so... But it, yeah, great. If you if you want to check that out, that's on Netflix, uh, still streaming currently. So, um, very very good stuff. But we do have quite a bit to talk about tonight, which is fantastic. Um, admittedly, a lot of our the films that we're going to speak about aren't actually out until April twenty second. So that's not this week, but next week. But you know what? We've got more films uh, films to talk about next week, so we might as well just keep them coming. So uh, we have a film called Billy Holiday versus the United States, uh, another film called The Dissident, a film called uh, Wishlist, which is part of the Spanish Film Festival. And there's a film starring Judy Dench, which you've seen, Lewis, and I've completely forgotten the name of that one. A Six Minutes to Midnight. There you are. So uh, great selection of films to talk about tonight. And then, of course, uh, we We'll have even more next week. We're going to go see Mortal Kombat uh, if you're interested in Mm -hmm. tuning in next week to hear about that one. And uh, there's a couple of other films. I think uh, Robin Wright's film Land is going to be uh, showing. That looks like an interesting film. But, yeah, shall we – do we have anything that we want to preface the show with? Any news? I haven't quite Mm – come prepared this evening, but um, I don't know if you had anything on your list of things. There was something interesting. I was listening this morning. Actually, I am uh, still listening uh, to the uh, Fat Man on Batman, sorry, the Fat Man Beyond podcast, yes. uh, which is the uh, Kevin Smith podcast he does with Mark Bernardin. Uh, and every every week they, so like when there's a Marvel show, they kind of do a, a review of the Marvel show mm. um, and, you know, they clearly love the uh, the stuff they talk about. Um, and it was interesting on this week's show, they, they talked about the Winter Soldier, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And uh, after they did that, they um, had the creator, not the creator of Bucky Barnes, because Bucky Barnes was created, um, you know, back in the 50s by um, Jack Kirby and Joe Simons, I think. Um, but he, the creator of the Winter Soldier. So when when Bucky Barnes was brought back, and the the kind of character he is now in the movies and TV, uh, that character uh, was created uh, by uh, artist Steve Epping and uh, by Ed Brubaker. And they on uh, Fat Man Beyond, uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin had Ed Brubaker on uh, to talk about, you know, thinking, oh, we'll bring him on because he's going to be the happiest person in the world because the character he's sort of like, you know, is so invested in is now has its own TV show and mm. how wonderful is that? But interestingly, uh, Ed Brubaker had a kind of, um, you know, a melancholy kind of uh, feel for it because even though he didn't create the character of Bucky, uh, he did, like, you know, create the, the Winter Soldier and, and brought that character back. And the, the the movie Captain America, the Winter Soldier, was, you know, based largely on the comic book that he actually wrote. But because uh, the kind of contract he was under, it was a work for hire with, with Marvel. Uh-huh. So basically you, you work for Marvel, uh, everything that you create is the property of Marvel but you don't get paid uh, like any residuals if that character gets used in other formats, so TV, movies, games, whatever. Uh, and so he, even though he created what the character is and the, the the scenarios and the stories that went on to become the movie, he actually didn't get any money for the the Captain America Winter Soldier movie, and he doesn't get any money for the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show. And uh, he actually did a cameo in the Winter Soldier, and he gets more money from residuals from that than he does from you know the actual you know Gee. character that he, he kind of created. Uh, and so it was interesting to hear that because. This isn't a new thing uh, with comic book creators that they don't either get uh, the acknowledgement for the characters that they created or they don't get the financial, uh, you know, they don't get financially rewarded for the, for the characters they created, which is kind of interesting because you look at like the, the movies that we've got today, like um, the DC comics, like with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, uh, and then the Marvel comics uh, with the Avengers, um, 
you know, all these characters were created by someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, Stan Lee uh, with the co-creators was a big part of creating all of the, the Marvel characters, but somebody created those characters. But now you're, you're finding that uh, a lot of, you know, people who are working in comics aren't creating, like for Marvel and DC, aren't creating new characters. They're just playing with the characters that already exist. Um, and I think part of that is because, well, where's the benefit for them to create new characters for Marvel and DC? And then if those things go on to be in movies, TVs, games, they don't get any financial reward for it. So they're better off if they come up with an awesome character, keeping that to themselves, and then when they go to another you know, independent label where they can do uh, uh, owner-created things and they actually own the rights to it, then you know, if those go off and then they become TVs and movies, they're going to get the, the full benefit of it. Interesting. So, which and it's, it's, it's interesting. When you look at all those characters I rattled off before, all those characters have got, been around for decades and decades and decades but there's very few like newer characters i mean there's uh deadpool you can point to deadpool he was created in the 90s mm-hmm. um but the majority of the, the things we're seeing on screen now come from the 80s or 70s and, and and beyond wow so it's interesting to think that like you know pretty much the, the comic book heroes we've got now are potentially the comic book heroes we're always going to have because they might not create more Marvel and DC heroes because there's no benefit for the creators. Oh, mm. that's a scary thought. Yeah. Um, if, if there's no more characters being created, what will people do? But it's so weird. Like the, you know, you would think uh, that, you know, Disney and DC, they make so much money mm. that if they're going to be using a story that takes liberally from a story that a comic creator wrote and and the artist like pretty much storyboarded, do you think they'd break off a bit for them and just go, you know, we're going to use your story um, here, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars for it. I don't know how much you'd need to pay them, but give them some money to say, look, we're using your uh, the, the stuff you created and we wanted to, you know, thank you for, for doing that. Um, you know, I think if they did that, then maybe the, the creators would be more willing to, to come up with new characters and, uh, you know, then you'd be able to, to get uh, the, the next generation of, of, of heroes. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a scary scary proposition. Yeah, it seems really bizarre. Like, surely people should be, you know, given an incentive for, for their work or given something. You know, it's their creative, you know, work. You know, you don't go in and buy a piece of art for nothing and, mm. and expect the artist to walk away. So, um I don't know. Yeah, interesting. But um, hey, it is what it is. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll change because they've. I think uh, a lot of our creators have have gone back and uh, you know through a lot of legal wranglings have have got uh, you know paid for you know their creations which have gone on to make billions of dollars. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully the, uh, the the Marvel and DC will realise that like actually looking after their creators uh, will benefit them in the long run. Yeah, yeah. very, Mm. very cool. There you go. Interesting stuff. Shall we move on to uh, the first film review of the show, which we don't actually know what it is because we didn't discuss prior (laughs) to to doing this. Uh, We just kind of jumped in. But, uh, hey, that's sometimes the best way to do a show. Yes. Jump in, you know. And also I wasn't here on time, so. (laughs) (laughs) I think... I think the, the most of the movies we're talking about this week aren't going to be released until next week. That's so it. we we apologise in advance if you're if you, you you think these movies are awesome and you want to go see them. Chances are you're going to have to wait uh, until next Thursday to see check to check them out. So absolutely, but at least it gives you a bit of time to plan. You know, yes. you might plan a few few films, particularly with things like the uh, the Spanish Film Festival, for example. They've got a whole program, uh, so you might just want to get a bit of a taste of what's showing and then plan out uh, a couple of weeks of different sessions so oh, exactly there you go so any any particular uh film you want to start with tonight should we kick off because we both saw the united states versus billy holiday yeah why not let's talk a little bit about billy holiday yeah I, I i personally i did not know a lot about billy holiday like i knew some of the songs that she mm. sang uh i didn't know that she was a, a, a heroin addict um so that was that was kind of new new information to me um and i didn't realize how um like she was um 
a civil rights campaigner mm. through through her music. And I didn't didn't know that either. But uh, I, I found this uh, movie very enlightening because obviously, like. Uh, my you know understanding of the, who she was was so limited, so it was really opened up my eyes to to who uh, Billie Holiday was and uh, what she kind of represented and the horrible things she had to go through in, in life. Um, and it was a it was just I, I thought it was a, a really good movie. Um, it but I, I looked at the uh, IMD, uh, so I looked at the uh, Rotten Tomato score, and yeah. I, I was surprised by how uh, it's not higher because it's like 53% score. I would have thought, wow, that movie was, was really good. I thought it would have been a, mm. a better score than that. But um, I was speaking to Arda before the show and she mentioned that um, the some people had an issue with uh, one of the characters that was introduced in the movie, which was Jimmy Fletcher, uh, played by uh, Traventy uh, Rhodes. Um because that character was uh, that didn't exist. Mm. Um, I think it was kind of put there uh, just as a uh, to keep the story and the plot moving forward. Uh, so that was it's kind of weird when they do that when they've got a uh, based on a true story uh, film, but then they they kind of like put in these these characters who weren't there and uh, they they kind of like you go oh, is. Why, why yeah, would they do that? Why do you need that? It's interesting when they invent mm. people or scenarios or situations to, to keep a film kind of moving forward. I, I think that the story itself is is interesting, but I guess you have to have, I guess you always have to have a protagonist and an antagonist. Mm. I, I suppose that in this film, the government and law enforcement could be considered that kind of antagonist though really I mean uh, it's interesting to me so I don't know how tr- I know that Billie Holiday obviously struggled from drug addiction issues and you know she was a coloured woman very prominent in the kind of 1930s and 40s and very boisterous mm. and she had a lot of mainstream success and, and legal troubles and I think this autobiography I think you can call it an autobiography autobiographical um, yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of focuses on her battle but um, with also the US government and, and law enforcement because this film kind of painted it as is uh, they didn't like her efforts to sing a particular song called Strange Fruit which was a song about lynchings mm. uh, in the south and the attempts to kind of suppress um, suppress her so they kind of honed in on her drug abuse as a way to bring her down. I don't know how accurate that that is. I don't know how accurate the the strange fruit part of this was. I don't know if they were really trying to bring her down based on that mm-hmm. or if they even were or if she just struggled from some drug, addi- uh, drug addiction issues. So I, I went on to have a little bit of a look but I didn't. I kind of ran out of time um, just to see how accurate it, it was in terms of, you know, how much did they really try to bring her down uh, f- for this particular song um, or if, if it was something bigger and more, you know, the issue was bigger. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. The film kind of painted it as though the, the drug was just a, a way of bringing her down for other things because she was such a, a civil rights kind of activist and she spoke out for women's rights and, you know, African-American people and whether or not the government at that time did not like that. Because, I mean, it was in the 19 kind of 40s was the height of her success. So maybe they didn't like what she was saying. Mm, mm. Um, I, I, I think that that... Uh yeah, that that was uh, kind of the thing. And what what I don't quite understand um, is that freedom of speech in America. <coughs> Sorry, I'm not free to speak at the moment. Apparently, um, freedom of speech in America is such a big thing that makes it a big deal about it. Mm. But they like here, like you know, she's singing, but still, it's it's speech. So, how is it that you can go and arrest somebody? for singing a song if you've supposedly got freedom of speech. And the same thing with uh, uh, Lenny Bruce um, when he was uh, doing comedy and he'd get arrested for doing comedy as well. Mm. And it's kind of like, how do you have free speech in a country and then when people are speaking freely, you arrest them? Uh, it's it's a very a very strange thing. I don't quite understand. Yeah, it's almost like it's picking and choosing. I guess at this time, you know, she was a coloured a coloured woman and, you know, unfortunately during the kind of 30s, 40s, 50s, um, people off you know, colour weren't treated the same. So perhaps it was just that, that which, which is horrible and horrific to think that people, you know, couldn't speak their mind. But I have to admit there was a really um, 
interesting scene in this film where they're, they're travelling on this tour bus and they stop and there's been this kind of aftermath of a Ku Klux Klan uh, session or, or something quite terrible has happened to someone of colour. And I just thought that was an absolute horrific scene uh, in this film and it really kind of painted that picture of, you know, why, why she would want to sing this strange fruit song and, and how important it was to actually sing this song mm. to make people aware of the, the terrible things that were happening, uh, you know, in America's, you know, south and, and across, across the world, really. So, yeah, what an interesting film. Yeah, I, I think it was a, 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 really, a really good film, uh, like well made. Obviously, like it wasn't like 100% accurate to, mm-hmm. to what happened, uh, but Andrea Day is uh, just amazing, like mm. her performance. And before the film started, she introed the film uh, via you know, video kind of thing and like her voice and everything like that is just so different to the character of Billie Holiday. Uh, and, yeah, it was just phenomenal uh, and so brave like mm. the, the 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 way she uh did some scenes like when she was getting arrested uh it was just yeah it was quite amazing so um i i was i i saw the trailer for this and i, I was very interested in, in seeing it and uh, i just i was blown away by just how good it was um but you're right it does make me want to you know go and read up a bit more about her and try to figure out what was real and what was you know used for just the the, the storytelling purposes um but one good place you can go to check out uh, the details on that is hollywood versus uh, history versus hollywood mm. uh we can go there and uh, you can have a bit of a read up on it and they they show you one of the things i like the most about it is they show you the face of the actor as the character and they show you the face of the real person as well so you're very uh, very very interesting so i would uh, definitely check that out yeah and um you know yeah, it's an, it's an amazing story, but I think we've always said that these films that make us want to learn more are, are a good film, you know, to walk away and want to know more about Billie Holiday, her life and, and how accurate this story is, is a good thing. So, yeah, I'm really interested in spending a little bit more time in finding out a bit more about her. And despite the fact that uh, Strange Fruit wasn't um, a popular film with, with government officials, it, it was actually declared Song of the Century. So, uh, yeah, and originally a poem. So, but a very important message in that one. Uh, it's quite a sad, um, very, what's the word, I suppose, emotion. It, it kind of makes you really think mm. about about these terrible things, particularly like lynching and, and things that were happening at this time. So, yeah, quite a layered film, really, with, with lots happening. So, and, and poor Billy, you know, Billy Holiday was quite a young person at this time and uh, had lots of ups and downs. And it was just nice to see that she was such a uh, boisterous person who spoke out for people's rights and, mm. and her own as well. So, Oh, definitely, definitely, which is... Yeah, it's it's great to see. Like, and I mean, uh, you know, as as an artist, she got a bit more privilege than a, a black person would at that that time uh, in that time frame. But uh, yeah, it's good to see that she was like you know actively you know seeking to, to make change and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, just just terrible that uh, you know she was so um, controlled by the drug addiction. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just such a, uh, just a horrible, horrible thing when you're, um, addicted to something like heroin. So. Yeah. yeah. Not nice, mm. is it? We've seen lots of films which kind of look at the, the, the effects of, you know, narcotics and opioids and, and the horrible drugs and, and stuff like that, but, uh, not good, not good. Uh, how, how are you going to score this one? Uh, I am going to give this one, uh, three and a half little dogs. Oh, good one, good one. Oh, what am I going to score this? I'm going to score this oh, three and a half uh, flowers, flowers in the hair. Yeah, she did have a thing for having flowers yeah, in the hair. Yeah, I like it. I think yeah. I might bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk around everywhere with flowers in my hair. Uh, that is Billie Holiday versus the United States. It's out officially on April 22nd in most cinemas, but a very interesting look at the uh, jazz musician who was hailed, uh, I guess, the jazz musician of her time. So she had a great voice, though. Mm. Brilliant Mm. voice. So, um, yeah, check it out if you like music. Check it out if you like to see an autobiography of uh, somebody, a, a real person. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. I do apologise. I've been calling that film uh, Billie Holiday versus the United States. It's in fact called the United States versus Billie Holiday. 
But I feel like it is Billie Holiday really versing the United States there. She should be right at the front. But anyway. She's, um, cer- she's certainly attacked by them. And I just uh, uh, I read uh, off air um, some uh, stuff like uh, that it's kind of covered in the movie, but again, the fictionalised version of it uh, when you, you read about her, her death. But when when you see what the real what happened really, it's like, oh, my God, mm. it would have been so much more gruesome if they'd done that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, as I said, to, to look at what really happened compared to uh, what you see on the screen. Yeah, and you were saying they, uh, the FBI and, and government kind of chased her for about 20 years. 20 years. It's just incredible. Mm. Really, they obviously wanted to bring her down, uh, which which is horrible. Imagine, and you know, she didn't um, live a very long life a- at all. Mm. So to you know, that's kind of 44. half her life. Well, that's half yeah. her life, really, mm. that they they chased her for. So, yeah, it, it seemed to be that she was set up a lot uh, as well. Well, allegedly mm. set up a lot. Sorry. And Harry Harry Aslinger, who was the narcotics uh, uh, guy that was chasing after her, uh, played by Garrett Hedlund. Um, yeah, he was a uh, you know, massive racist. So you know, it was uh, yeah, horrible, horrible stuff. But anyway, it's let's let's see if we can move on to something. That yeah, well, well, that, why not? Um, that film again is the United States versus Billie Holiday out next week, April twenty second. Uh, mm. Catch Andrew Day, who I think has been nominated for a uh, uh, an award for that one. Let me just double check that. Uh, Golden Globe, I think she won, and she's also been yes, Academy Award nomination for Best Actress in a Leading Role, and she was awarded Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama. For uh, at the Golden Globes, so uh, I think she might be a might be a clear winner for this one. To be honest, for yeah. her portrayal in this film. But yes, moving on, uh, we've got a few more films to talk about uh, tonight. Where do you think we should head next, uh, Lewis? What do you think? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I feel bad. I keep um, pinning it on you. I'm asking mm-hmm. you what you want to do. But well, I'll talk about six minutes to midnight, and in, sure. in, that, in that case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Six Minutes to Midnight uh, is a film that's set in the summer of 1939. Uh, so this is before the breakout of uh, World War II. Yes. Uh, where it was the uh, the Nazi Germany uh, was uh, going to war with uh, England uh, and, and its allies. Um, and But this film is set just before that, that happens. And it is set in a uh, an all girls school in uh, England, but the uh, in a it's an English seaside town, lovely place to be. Um, and it is a, a school, like a finishing school, for young German women, who like at this point in time have been you know living with you know uh, the, the Nazi party being uh, in control of, of Germany for, for a while and they've all kind of like been a bit uh, indoctrinated into that uh, Nazi way of, of thinking. Uh, but they, yeah, they've gone to England to, to learn how to be you know uh, young ladies and do all that deportment stuff like walking around with books on their heads and, and that sort of thing. Um, but one of their teachers, uh, he ends up going missing. Ooh. So they they get in a, a, a new teacher to take over from uh, the, their missing teacher and that is uh, Thomas Miller played by Eddie Izzard. And he comes into the into the school, and uh, but you know you, you get a feeling that uh, all is uh, is not as it seems because obviously there's a lot of tension going on in Germany. You know the the, uh, the 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 Fuhrer there is is making you know a lot of noise, and people think the war is kind of imminent, uh, and so the. British government kind of want to know what's going on in this school and see if there's any, uh, you know, threat there. Uh, and and obviously, if uh, if war does break out, they would like these young girls to remain in the UK uh, as uh, prisoners of war rather than going back to Germany. Mm. Uh, and so you've got a uh, you know in the school, Judy Dench plays uh, Mrs. Uh, Rochelle, uh, who is the principal of the school and she's this fine British lady uh, who just thinks that the, the girls are, you know, they're just good German girls and uh, there's nothing wrong with, with things like she was, you know, trying to justify them saying Sieg Heil and stuff like that. Um, and so she's kind of like this person who believes it's all good and everything's all right. There's nothing, you know, going really badly wrong in Germany. Uh, but uh, you've also got... Um, 
Alsie Keller, played by uh, Carla Jury, and she's a, another school teacher there who's German, used to be a student at the school, um, but uh, yeah, clearly she's got uh, much stronger connections to the Nazi party than we're led to believe. Um, so this is a, it's kind of interesting to see a, a war story that's not all guns and battlefields uh, and it's pre kind of the war happening. So there's a bit of espionage in, in yeah. there and um, uh, just seeing this, this uh, interesting microcosm because it's like, you know, German people, British school, tension of war. Um, it's, yeah, it's, and then it's got, uh, you know, other characters like Jim Broadbent's in there as this bus driver uh, that, uh, you know, turns up every now and again and uh, he's like a, a little bit of uh, comic relief. Um, you you got a couple of uh, police officers you meet later on in the movie. Uh, one is played by James Dar- James Darcy, who, um, if you watched uh, um, uh, Agent Carter, uh, the uh, Captain America spinoff, he was Jarvis in that. Um so yeah, it was it was good. I mean, it was a you know great cast, and it was an interesting story. Uh, seeing uh, you know Eddie Izzard uh, is uh, his in in real life. Um, he is kind of I think gender non non specific these days. But to see him play like a, a male role was interesting. To see him in in you know that that, that kind of role. Yeah, because he's usually a, a comic. Yeah, generally, mm. uh, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. he travels around and actually does stand up anyway. So that that must be an interesting platform to see him perform. Oh, I've seen, seen him in movies before, but yeah. um, haven't seen him in a movie in a while. But I think he did a, a good job. It was, uh, you know, because obviously you're you're playing that English kind of gentleman from the past uh, kind of thing, and, and he does that very well. I mean, he's got that the look for it, and and certainly the the, the voice for it. So, um, but yeah, I was. Yeah, just something interesting and I actually went back and had a look and the school did exist oh, as wow. well. So it's not like it was a like completely made up kind of story. So it's based on a true story this school did exist. Um, but I'm not sure like, yeah, how um, uh, they, they – I expect they dramatise the whole the, – the, uh, them trying to get the girls out and get them back to Germany and all, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I, I still thought it was a um, – an interesting story and it was uh, done really well and you got lots of beautiful pictures of the, the English seaside which is <laughs> nicer to look at than actually go into the water. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I think I, I enjoyed uh, spending my, my Monday evening uh, checking that one out. So uh, I am going to give this one um, three and a half kilometres because um, you do see uh, Eddie Izzard running a lot, and oh. I do know that he he is a like a ultra marathon runner. Oh, so that's right. I uh, heard that in a podcast he was on once. Yeah, very cool. So it's very very easy for him to do a lot of the uh, a lot of the running and stuff like that. Wonderful. Yeah. I think I've said this time and time again, but it's always cool to see films about uh, stories of kind of World War Two and World War One that aren't necessarily focused so much on the, the fighting and battle aspect. There's so many out there that it, it's just so fascinating to see all these stories uh, come to light kind of over the years as to, you know, things that went on and, and true stories and, you know, ind- you know people's individual experiences. Mm. So I, I find it so fascinating. Well, the, the- school was called Augusta Victoria College uh, and it's located in the real-life coastal town of Bexhill on sea uh, in uh, the county of Sussex. So it's in the southeast of England. Um, and it was a, a, uh, the, a high school for influential and higher-ranking Nazi families. Um, and the, the school uh, was open from 1932 and was closed in 1939 after the invasion of Poland by Germany that started World War II. Ah, fascinating. Absolutely. So it makes me wonder if, like in this, like you had the Germans wanting to get the girls back to Germany and the British wanted to keep the girls in, in Britain. Mm. So I'd be interested to see, like, if they just allowed them to go back. Very, very cool. Mm. Um, fascinating film. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Yeah. Um, 
while while you were seeing that film, I was off seeing another film uh, at the Spanish Film Festival or the preview to it. Uh, so the Spanish Film Festival is uh, presented by Palace and it returns this year uh, with a selection of 29 films uh, for uh, lovers of a cinematic journey across <laughs> Spain and Latin America. So it's screening nationally in Australia from April 20th to the 20th. Third, uh, but in Perth you can catch it from April twenty eighth to sixteenth of May. Uh, so twenty nine films there, all very colourful, different films. Uh, you've got documentaries, you've got dramas, you've got comedies, you've got you know everything you could possibly think of uh, if you're a fan of these films. And I actually love the Spanish Film Festival. We get to see, you know, so many different foreign film festivals. It's the French mm. Film Festival, Scandinavian Film Festival, uh, British Film mm. Festival. I mean, the list just goes on. And I've always been a huge fan of the Spanish Film Festival, uh, primarily because back in, oh, I think it might have been about 2014, 15, I seen a film called Wild Tales, which was a black comedy uh, and anthology comedy comprised of six standalone shorts all written and directed uh, by Damien Sison and it was united by this common theme of violence and vengeance so ever since then I've just been a huge fan I really enjoyed that film I gave it a five and I raved about it so I, I guess I just have a bit of a soft spot for the Spanish film festival do you have a favorite of the festivals or you just like them all um, I, I like all the festivals. Um, I, I think I like the British Film Festival for mm. uh, showing the old uh, British films because yeah. uh, being able to see uh, older films on the big screen is, is kind of cool. Um, but no, I, I just like the idea that you're able to see all these different kind of films that uh, you normally wouldn't see. Although we do have a bit more access to them these days, what with streaming and, and whatnot, because a lot of the streaming services now uh, have a lot more uh, foreign films and, and subtitle films than uh, we'd ever have before. Because, I mean, when we just had Free Aware TV, I can't even think of when you'd have to go to SBS to watch a foreign movie pretty you much. You would, absolutely you would. Mm. But yeah, so some fantastic options at the Spanish Film Festival and I'm lucky enough to be able to probably catch a few more of these which I'll discuss um, leading up to the, the opening of the film festival and throughout. So I'm going to start with a film called Wishlist which is the film that I got to see and this is a... It's a comedy. It's a vibrant mm. comedy and it stars or it focuses on the lives of three women who are united by this idea of fulfilling a wish list. And it all starts with you've got Eva who is uh, unfortunately uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and starts to undertake chemotherapy but happens to meet a, a another woman there, Carmen, who is also battling cancer. She's a little bit older and the two form this, you know, wonderful friendship and they start discussing, you know, this idea of when they get better, the things that they're going to do and develop and devise a bit of a, a wish list. And the reason they do this is because once they finish their chemotherapy, they have to await the results to see if the chemotherapy has worked. Mm -hmm. And they decide, well, instead of sitting around at home, you know, kind of waiting and, and being a little bit sad about it, why not go out and fulfil these wishes? And they also bring in another friend, Ma, of theirs, who's having a bit of a hard time. She's just had a heartbreak, uh, broken up with her longtime boyfriend. And, you know... She's doing, she wants to support her friend too. So the three set out with their list of things they've always wanted to do. And mind you, they're not, you know, necessarily difficult things to achieve, just things that they want. Um, and they range from things like, you know, driving an SUV across the <laughs> beach. Uh, you know, one of the women wants to have a, a romantic evening with a Dutchman. So, you know, <laughs> very simple kind of things that these women just want to do. You know, others want to surf and, and things like that. So they kind of set across Spain uh, in this, this camper van and decide that they'll, they'll do it together. And they start ticking things off. So it's a really, really fun film. I think it, you know, it opens with the women in a particular situation and it goes back a few months to, to show you how they get there. But oh, I, I was laughing lots throughout this film and it's just vibrant, it's colourful, it's just this perfect balance of comedy and, you know, obviously there's some, you know, heartfelt moments there too. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the, this you know, discussion of cancer and family and loss. And, and there's one of the girls is, you know, trying to reconnect with her father. But 
oh, well, you know, it, it's a great film and it's nice to see women banding together to do these things <laughs> that they love to do. But, you know, if you want a fun film that you just want to see with, you know, your mum, your, your girlfriends, your sister, you know, this is perfect. And I think this is perfect for couples too. So uh, it really is a film for everybody. Oh, uh, nice. So, yeah, I, I think check this one out. If you're going to see a film, I mean, mind you, I haven't seen any uh, of the other films for the Spanish Film Festival, but I definitely think this is one that uh, if you're not sure what you want to see but you want to see something, uh, start with this. So um, April 28th is the opening of the Spanish Film Festival. Head to the website for more information. It's SpanishFilmFestival.com where you can see the full program and uh, make the booking. Certainly sounds like a feel-good feel good movie, that one. Yeah, it does. And I, I loved it. I'm going to score it uh, four funky wigs. Ah. So, four funky wigs. Uh, there's a lot you can do with wigs. <laughs> I think I might get a few wigs and, and start some new cool hairstyles. You might see me with the different hair next week. Nice. Like one of those big Marie, Marie Antoinette ones? or uh, like, but Not quite that no. extreme, I don't think, but maybe a different colour or something like uh, that. Interesting. But, um, that would be quite fun. So, yeah, check it out. Great film. Um, I realised I probably should have left that film for last because <laughs> the, the next film that I seen was called The Dissident and it, it's not so, uh, so fun. But, um, is, that, is this the uh, documentary? It is a documentary. About, um, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I probably butchered that, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I'm glad you know who this is because I, I actually didn't know who this was. There's a lot of documentaries coming out and I'm like, didn't know that happened. Well, I, I, yeah, I remember the, because uh, I think it was last year or maybe it was the year before. 2018. 2000, mm. Really? Oh, okay, a long time ago uh, <laughs> when he was... Yeah, he just went missing mm. uh, and then all of a sudden it was revealed that he was completely murdered in a embassy. I love the word completely murdered. Um, yeah, 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 but basically that's it. You know, he was a Washington Post columnist and he, he entered the Saudi Arabian consulate uh, in Istanbul to obtain some documents related to his planned marriage um, and he was never heard from again. That was it. And it's since been alleged that within... They, they still don't really know what happened, but it's it, it, they think this is what happened. He arrived at the consulate and uh and was murdered essentially mm. and his body was apparently dismembered and disposed of uh while his kind of turkish fiance uh, hatis was waiting outside the building for him to come back so she thought he was going in for a few moments and then he, he would return she was there for about 12 hours waiting for him to come back out when she realized mm, something ain't right so uh it, it is interesting he was a really renowned um renowned person uh yeah so uh it's such an interesting story and the events that kind of lead up to it are quite interesting he was a very outspoken journalist and he lived in america and was quite active on twitter and things like that so there's lots of different interviews that take place and and uh, lots of kind of theories and, mm, and mm. things like that but they still really don't know uh, necessarily what happened but if you're after a kind of um insightful or gripping documentary kind of which uncovers some you know interesting uh, truths you might be interested in the dissident to, to kind of see what happened there I have to admit I did kind of um, hone out a little bit I was watching this at home so mm -hmm. yeah there were parts that I probably missed that I probably should have paid more attention <laughs> to I think you know we say it you know all the time being at that cinema is definitely uh, the way to mm -hmm. see a film mm -hmm. so you can see this at cinemas definitely the way to go mm -hmm. but yeah just the the idea of like you know going into your embassy of your your home country kind of thing mm. and then just being taken and and murdered and and like i don't know like if uh the people that were that like you know, said it's got to be done were, were ever, ever going to be held responsible for it i think some scapegoats might have paid the price for it but i don't think that uh the people that actually said yeah kill that guy uh will ever see any justice yeah, you're right. There were people who were kind of, um, yeah, caught and punished for, for things relating to, to this, but not necessarily that, the crime itself. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I feel really sorry for the, the fiancé. She was put in a really, I think, just tough position just to, yeah, lo lose your fiancé, just 
someone walks in and just never comes out. Mm. I mean, how does that happen? You yeah. know, and they claimed for so long that nothing happened. But how can you deny that? You know, someone doesn't return and, and things like that. So yeah, it's a really fascinating, um, fascinating documentary about about that. So yeah, I know, and it's just interesting to see how different governments and countries will shut down people who have voices. Mm. You know, he was at very. He was he was a bit of a critic, particularly of Saudi Arabia, and he he was a dissident essentially, yeah. you know, and that's that's the title of the film. So there were a lot of people who didn't like him and and seen him as a threat because he's had such a large reach, and a lot of people listened to what he had to say, and you know, people retweeted or reshared his information. So the stuff that he was saying, you know, was was truthful, but the governments just didn't want to hear this. So you know, he was a uh, yeah. I guess, yeah, really, he was such an activist that mm. people just wanted to shut him down. I suppose it's quite similar to, to Billie Holiday in a way. Yeah, well, I was just saying it's kind of interesting we bookended the show with, with uh, you know, two people that were, you know, fighting and being seen as dissidents and, uh, you know, both both unfortunately paid the price for it. Yeah, so, um, you know, he, he wanted to co- try and control this... Um, yeah, kind of the opinions of, of Saudi Arabia and he didn't necessarily believe with their philosophies and opinions on, on a range of things. So, yeah, he definitely tried to um, shut them down and, and share what he thought. But, yeah, people people didn't like it. So, um, interesting. But, uh, yeah, th- there's a lot more in this documentary that I probably uh, I'm not sharing just because I, th- I don't want to give too much mm-hmm. away about it. But uh, I think, yeah, check it out if you are interested. And, uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to score that one. Oh, four, four voices because there's a lot of voices in this film. Right. And, as, and I think that's a good thing. As so. you would expect in, a, in a, a film about a journalist being killed. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that one is going to be showing as of next week as well. I think you can catch it on streaming services too. So, um, But apparently it, was, uh, it struggled to find a film distributor for such a long time for about eight months and it didn't run on a lot of streaming services because it was um uh, people didn't want to offend the saudi arabian government and and potentially um cause issues there so uh but it's finally out so i'm guessing it's not out in saudi arabia then probably not so probably shut down but um yeah so there's a very interesting information it's by a, a guy called Brian Fogel, who who did this film, so he's uh, yeah, he directed and produced this film, and he I'm just having a look to see uh, his some other films that he's done. Uh, let's have a wee look here. Oh yes, he was widely popular for a film called Utopia back in 2012, uh, and then Icarus 2017. So Icarus was a 2017 documentary film, and it chronicles the uh, exploration uh, of uh, what do we got? Oh, doping and cycling. Uh, Oh, yeah. like the Lance Armstrong? Similar things. I think there was a, a bit of a scandal, obviously, within cycling in general. So that, that was a film he did. And Utopia is an independent comedy film, uh, an adaptation of a long-running off-Broadway play. So that one is not a documentary, but uh, looks like fun. Stars uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ivan Sergei, Joel David Moore and Nicolette Sheridan. I'm just having a look at the cover and it looks quite interesting. Excellent. So go from Utopia to uh, the Dissident. Interesting choice. Cool, sounds good. That's that's when you've got a good di- director and a producer, someone who can go between the different <laughs> different uh, kinds of films. So there you go. Um, I did get a bit excited before. I was having a look at the new Disney releases for the next few years. <laughs> uh, we got the release schedule delivered to our inboxes. Oh, we did, did we? We did. Uh, and I can see that May 2021, we should be expecting Cruella, uh, which will be exciting. May 8th, Black Widow. Uh, and then as Oh, we... no, no, Black Widow's actually been pushed back to oh. July, I believe, at this stage. I do apologise. That one has been pushed back then. Uh, but, yeah, there's lots happening. Cruella, I'm excited to see. There's a film called Jungle Cruise. Uh, yeah. There's a, a December, West Side Story. New remake, I'm assuming. I believe Steven Spielberg remade it. Oh, 
Excellent. So I'm sure we'll hear more about those uh, as time or as the year continues on. Uh, And Fast and Furious 9, the brand new trailer, (laughs) celebrating its 20th anniversary in 2021. Can you believe that uh, this film franchise has been going for that long? It's so weird, like considering how kind of grounded the first Fast and Furious movie was uh, because it was basically just a uh, version of Point Break but with cars. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and so it's gone from there to – I don't know if you've seen the trailer for the most recent one. Oh, yes, I have. And every time I see it, I'm like, that kind of just reminds me of Fast and Furious 8 and it just <laughs> all kind of blends into one film for me. So, yeah, every time I see the trailer come up, I'm like, oh, do I have to? It's it's that scene where where Dom uh, is like driving the car towards the cliff, and I, I can't remember what the what uh, his partner's uh, uh, name is, but they're driving towards a cliff, and he kind of like jumps onto this rope, and the rope goes around the tire, and he kind of like Tarzan swings with the car, and he's like just he's still holding the steering wheel, and he's just like got this stern look at his face. And go, this is just getting beyond belief. It's just, it's just. Where, where do we go from here? Where will they draw the line <laughs> with these films? It, it's a quite a colourful film poster. I'm just having a bit of a look now. It's got your main characters on the front with some colourful smoke in the background and, of course, some cars in the forefront there. But, uh, you know, I actually thought we were up to Fast and Furious, like, 12 <laughs> uh, or, or something by now, but it's in cinemas June 17. Uh, people love these films, though, I suppose. Um, Vin Diesel looks exactly the same as he did the first film there's absolutely no change whatsoever um, but his brother is in this film played by John Cena yes so uh, it's it's interesting because uh, uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock uh, had a bit of a falling out in in previous uh, Fast and Furious films so it's good that they've gone with another wrestler come actor in John Cena yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so no hey look I mean people are gonna go see this film they're gonna love it because it's an action film it's about cars and yeah, why not? Exactly. Despite that, the plot. Yeah, and it's not like we get on a plane or anything like that, so we need something to get our adrenaline going. We do. I have to admit, <laughs> I'm enjoying seeing the big action films, though, because they're not really my my type of films, mm-hmm. but I'm quite enjoying seeing them at cinema. I think it's just, um, yeah, Godzilla uh, versus Kong was a good one for me. Not something I would traditionally mm-hmm. go and see, but... You know, hey, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it was it was really good, and it's making all the money at the moment. Mm. I think, I think it's made like five hundred million dollars worldwide. Whoa. Which I mean, back in the day, we'd be going, we'd be going, oh, this film's done really well. It's got a billion dollars, a billion and a half, two billion dollars. But in a world where so many cinemas are still shut down, uh, in a world where cinema chains are literally closing, uh, it's it's good when there's a, a film that's actually getting a bit of money on the board. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, considering the times we are in, it's probably a very, uh, very good amount. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, and you put something up on the unscripted film uh, page about Ghostbusters. Yeah, the uh, it was just a little uh, thing about these little uh, mini, uh, you know, Stay Puffs. You know, you know, oh, yeah. You, you know, Stay Puff from the original uh, Ghostbusters yes. was massive. Yeah. Well, in this one, there's just these little mini kind of kind of stay puffs, uh, and they're just as vicious. So, oh. uh, but yeah, and I saw uh, watch rewatch the trailer today for uh, Ghostbusters because that was supposed to come out last year, of course, yeah. um, and that's going to come out this year at some point. Uh, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It looks looks really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Ghostbusters too. Sometimes we just need that that comedy in our lives. Yeah, bit of dumb fun. I yeah. like to call and it. And it's got so. Paul Rudd in it. Oh, yeah. yay. Who doesn't like to see a film with Mr. Paul Rudd in it? Exactly. Uh, he's always good fun to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to their films trickling out and uh, we'll get to see more as the year goes on and review more. Very true. Which is what we're here for, <laughs> isn't it? But if you do like what you've heard tonight, uh, jump onto the gentleman of popculture.com where you can find all our part, well, I'm not going to say all our past shows, some of our past shows, because <laughs> we've been doing this for a while. But, uh, yeah, for the last few years we've got unscripted the film show there. So if you want to go back and listen to reviews from films back in the day, like, I don't know, um, Hereditary uh, or uh, Star Wars, or we've covered the big ones. So mm-hmm. go back, have a listen. Um, and you can also listen to uh, Diz Down Under, mm-hmm. Tangent City, where we take a pop culture topic and then we just ramble on. 
Uh, we do discuss good, important things, but we also ramble on. <laughs> uh, and there's always more popping up on there. So head over to there and uh, you can also like us on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Yep. So we'll, uh, we'll leave it there, but we'll be back next week for uh, more stuff. Sounds good. Mortal Kombat. Get over here. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there because that was perfect. <laughs>